from Baltimore, Maryland, this is The Stoop Sessions, a One Hope podcast. Join us for conversations about ministry on The Stoop. Learn more about our work at www.onehope.gives. So we have Bugsy Moogs on The Stoop with us. <laughs> in the flesh, live in the flesh. Bugsy Moogs. Bugs. Wait, what's his name? It's Bugsby. Come on. I'm, I'm sorry, y'all. I'm Caribbean. Is that an excuse? That I, I just excuse. read up his stats the other day and tried to use him in an inspirational story. All right, let's talk about intentional living. All right, let's do it. <laughs> so, Eric, uh, you're, you're from Baltimore City. Yep. You live in Baltimore City. Uh, you don't really have to live in Baltimore City. Nope. When I first met you, go, going back a couple years... You were living on Payson Street. That's what about a mile from where we live? About a mile right now. Yeah, in West, you're in West Baltimore, in the inner city, on Payson Street. And when we met you guys, you were trying to get out of Baltimore. Man, growing up in a city like Baltimore, um, you know, just because um, of like the violence and just the crime, you know, you see your fair share of of all of that stuff, man. Like, I've lost friends. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a tough place to live. Don't get me wrong. Like, I love my city. Like, it's, for it's real, beautiful. trauma is a, a thing. Yeah. Like, I, I was just talking to one of the guys in our church, and uh, he's got trauma in his life after he's just seen friend after friend, like, literally dead on the street. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, you know, So growing up, wife, you want to... I don't mean to cut you off. No, you you want to get out of here growing up. Yeah. And I think that's... That's how most people think that has actually grown up here in Baltimore. It's like you reach a point where it's like, I'm tired of uh, reading about people being shot every day. And, and tired of knowing them, probably. Yeah. The kind of neighborhood that we're in, yeah. the kind of neighborhoods that we want to do ministry in, yeah. a lot of those neighborhoods have people growing up in those neighborhoods that just want to get out of the city. For yeah. them, success is no longer so we, living in, in a... a Two one two one seven. Yeah. Exactly, and and you know you can't blame them, um, but you know me having uh, two younger children, um, I had to you know make the best decision for them, consider their safety, even you know as far as schooling. Um, so we were thinking about moving to Pennsylvania, and you know it was cheaper to live there. We're out in Pennsylvania, York, PA. So it's about an hour. You had a plan. Baltimore. Oh, we had yeah, a plan. Yeah, you sound real specific. Look, York is right? basically we, we, we little Baltimore. It really is. I know so many people that moved. You would have been so surprised. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we um, we actually like didn't find a house, but we were we were looking. Like we, me and my wife had it set in our minds that hey, we we getting out. School system is better up there. It's cheaper. We can get you know more for your money up there as far as housing, and we, we just wanted that for our children. What about a year? Two years ago. Two years ago, instead of moving to Pennsylvania, you moved moved into a trap in our neighborhood. I left one trap to move into another one. A mile away. A mile away. So you moved. Let's just get this straight. You owned a house on Payson. Yes. You you move from the house that you own on Payson and buy another house. Uh, on Druid Hill Avenue. Just giving out all the addresses. Is this, <laughs> I don't. It's all good. I'm protected. I live in community. I didn't get that. Hey, that's good. That's good. Look, good. You just want to have multiple houses? Not You're just trying to per- buy up the buy up, buy up real estate? Not at all, man. I, 
You know, it's crazy. Why'd so, you move on to Druid Hill? What compelled you? So let me let me take it back just a little bit. Um, so when we were living on Payson Street and we were thinking about leaving um, to, to move to PA, we, we found the Garden Church. And I remember, like it was yesterday, that first, the first uh, Sunday there, which was in June, I believe. No, July of 2016. That first Sunday, I remember your sermon, Joel, you were preaching. I think we were going through the Gospel of Matthew at that time. And I can't remember, like, the exact sermon, but I remember you talking about, um, like, being intentional and um, making disciples, like, you know, where you live. And me and my wife, after we left service that Sunday, it just, it really struck a chord with us. Like, we, we just kept talking about it. And then you had us over for dinner, like, I think within that same week, and that's when I met. This lovely young lady, yeah, Stephanie. Yeah, that was my first day in Baltimore. That was. Actually. Was it really? That's my yep, first day. It was. Oh. Joel invited me to dinner, and I was like, I don't really know these, these yep. folks. And these <laughs> folks meaning Were Joel and his family. Yeah, yeah, it was my first day ever in your home, which we can talk about intentional and we had living. them over for dinner. Yeah, I yep. just moved. I'm moving my boxes upstairs, and he goes, we're having <laughs> a family funny. for dinner. Want to come? And I was I like, do. no, actually, I don't. I don't really know anybody here. Yeah. <laughs> but I sat for dinner, and it was it was, it was was great. It was great. But yeah. So, it was yeah, July 16th, it July, was. July 18th, yep. yep. So, um, yeah, like, after listening to your sermon, again, it, it really struck a chord with me and my wife. And we just, we, we showed up the following Sunday, and we've been showing up ever since. Um, you know, eventually became members. And we really love the mission of the church. You know, um, just being intentional and, and serving, like, the community that our church is in. So, you know, we, we decided to, well, let's move closer to the church so we can be in walking distance. Now, living on Payson Street, that was probably less than 10-minute drive. Yeah, 1.7 miles. Yeah, less than 10 minutes. Yeah. But now it's practically can, our neighborhood. Yeah. It's, it's like two neighborhoods over. <laughs> right. Right. But now I'm in walking distance. I can get to church in, what, less than 10-minute yeah. walk. So... Now, one one of the going back to benefits. All right, mm-hmm. living in the neighborhood. Then I want to talk about challenges. Mm-hmm. But one of the benefits recently has been our kids' friendship. Right. And this is something that you know you we might not think about, like yeah. well, as we're thinking about like let's try to do ministry in the same neighborhood, living together, et cetera. It's just some of the benefits for the kids. Uh, so you know, with the pandemic and everything, my kids have just been locked inside. They don't do anything. They just you know we're trying to figure out what what are we going to get these kids to do. Uh, the the basketball rims are off the goals, so yep. they, they, we can't go to the court. And so my wife and I, when we when we were visiting my parents in Ohio, we were just talking about like how do we allow our kids a little more freedom in this neighborhood? You know, given some of the challenges, how do we allow them to have a little more freedom? And then it kind of clicked. Like, why don't we just give them the green light to walk the four or five blocks or whatever to your house, as long as you guys are cool with it, and and let them hang out with your kids in your house? You know, they they can do that. Like there's, we can kind of let the reins out a little yeah. bit, you know, and yeah. and to have you guys there, uh, gives us this this additional friendship for yeah. for our children, and you know, as you know, our kids are great friends with each other. They just, I just had your kids over this just yesterday, couple of days, yeah, yeah. yeah. You were just ago. eating a, a cupcake. My wife, um, my wife, my daughter made. <laughs> That's right. Was, I also had great. a cupcake. Yeah, they were great. good. Yeah, I came over at nine p.m. for that. 
I, I saw it on Instagram and I said, is there a cupcake left? And I, yeah, I, I reaped what someone else sowed. Yeah, that's the benefits of intentional living right there. You see that? Yeah, that and <laughs> the fact that your door was open at 906. Um, all the intermittent fasters are like, did you eat at 906? I did, <laughs> to the glory of God. But yeah, it, it is, it is, it is a beautiful, a beautiful benefit. Has it been an easy transition? Um, I don't want to just paint a rosy picture oh, yeah. uh, because I know that everything's always kind of a mixed bag, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, it, it definitely has uh, been a challenge. I think within the first week of us living there, someone got shot right in front of our door. Um, I remember that. I was walking up the yeah. street, and I called you. You saw the shell case. Because, yeah, there was, it, it had just happened, and yeah. there was bullets all over the ground, and the cops were just showing up. So maybe 15 minutes before the shooting took place, I had just walked my family to the car, mm-hmm. and they were on their way over to Patient Street to um, finish like doing some cleaning in the house before we you know, had somebody move in. And 15 minutes after they left, that's when the shooting happened. It's like, crazy, right in man. Front of my and dog. two minutes later, I came walking through with my dog. Exactly. Yeah, so um, it, it's, it's definitely uh, a challenge living on the block that I live on. Uh, before we moved there, like when we were just kind of just scoping out the neighborhood, it was empty. Like nobody out on the corner or anything. And soon as we move in, like a big, just a bunch of people, it would just just set up shop and just start selling drugs. Like How much do you think your realtor paid the drug dealers um, <laughs> to get them off the block? Just, just for the showing. She's that the day. real deal. So and she, and she, I have. A I don't know realtor. who your realtor is. She's I'm not the real great, deal. Man. Yeah. She's great. Well, but somebody paid somebody. Think, yeah, because. I'm like, man, did y'all stage this because... So you move in, and there's a lot of drug trade on your block. Yes, a lot. And how 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 was that? I mean, has this been a challenge for you guys? It has. Um, one, I think it's just discouraging seeing how drugs really just mess up people. Yeah. Man, just it's seeing, depressing. It, it really is. is. Some of the trauma that you have growing up in the city is just what you see every And you're staring at that day in, day out where you're looking at the reality of that. Yeah. Day in and day out. And I think, I think me and my wife like process things differently. Like she really, um, was taking it like very hard. Still is. Um, so it's really, it may, it has made, um, just like some of our conversations, um, you know, uh, tough to have sometimes. Um, at some point she's just been really discouraged. Um, you know, raising children in this type of environment where you see lines of people going to buy drugs. I mean, like this is a clear-cut definition of an open-air drug market. You just see it as soon as you open your doors. Um, so it's, it's definitely has been a challenge, um, but I think, I think um, what has helped is trying to see people, you know, in the image of God, um, seeing those same people that are in line Trying, you know, buying drugs every day, day in and day out. That man, this this person needs to know about Jesus and that they're actually cared for by Jesus. So, yeah. You know, again, that's that's another reason why we decided to to move um, onto Droid Hill is to make Jesus known to people who probably feel you know forgotten about. Yeah. When you bring up like it's crazy how. Hold on, hold on. I'm gonna try something. Oh man. I just hung up on your wife. I'm going to see. I think I can actually get her on the phone. That'll be cool. 
It's going to take longer than 30 seconds. I love that your wife has such a voice. She's like, I'm going to tell you how I feel. I don't know if this will work or not, but we'll try it. Yeah. It'd be kind of fun if it does. Would. You going to call her from your phone? Yeah. Hello. Hey, Aisha. Hey. Hey, this is Joel. How are you, Joel? Hey, um, good, good. So we're sitting here having a podcast and with uh, your husband and Stephanie. Okay. And we're talking about some of the challenges of living in the neighborhood. Yeah. And particularly, we were talking about you guys moving from Payson instead of to Pennsylvania to hmm. uh, Druid Hill Avenue. And, uh, to what? To Druid Hill Avenue. Oh yeah, yeah. And so there's there's ups ups and downs to it. You know, we've already talked about a lot of the benefits, but um, from uh -huh. your perspective, what are some of the challenges? Like, how has it been hard for um, you? Because I got kids, uh, a lot I think is really hard because I want them to be safe, and so my idea of safe is not getting robbed or not getting caught in a crossfire or um, just. The, the thing is that most, well, I don't want to say most people face, but a lot of people face when living in the inner city, especially like dangerous neighborhoods or whatnot. Yeah. Um, that good. and just like, I guess seeing the guys on the corner um, deliberately wanting to make money at the expense of somebody's mother, father, grandfather, whatever, getting hot. Yeah. I think that's hard. It weighs on you. Um, yeah, and then growing up in like family that abuse drugs, just not appreciating somebody willing to sell to like moms or grandparents or whatever the case is. Yeah, so, so it's helpful. I appreciate that. Well, yeah, yeah. And more than that, I appreciate you living in the neighborhood with us. <laughs> you know, there really is. We were just talking about the benefits. One of the benefits is uh, our kids' friendship. Yeah, that's beautiful. Definitely. All right. Well, I'll let you get back to what you're doing. All right. Sweet. See. You. And I, I, when Eric was talking about, um, you know some of the challenges that didn't seem like challenges until he started living there. I thought about, you know, there's so much happening even spiritually that we're unaware of. And even in your sermon today, talking about darkness, you know, we feel a real darkness here. There is a real life enemy seeking yeah. to keep people deceived. And there are real um, individuals and participants fully right. okay with that deception. And so I do think there is... Um, We'll talk about benefits again. I think a lot of the benefits are things that uh, would not seem like benefits at first, but you're like, yeah. man, thank you for this. Yeah. But the benefits of saying God has given me an opportunity to pray That's right. and to trust that his word is truly the only thing that I can save. And I'm going to have the same story about the same Savior that saves every time as individuals are lining up for their many, you know, lowercase g gods that are going right. to run out within the next, you know, the next hour, you know, you can be a present 
beacon in the neighborhood, not as a savior, but to point them to the savior and to just be around there. So I, I do think that's more of a like, oh, like, oh, well, we don't reap that benefit. But if we're learning more about how God operates and how Christ operates, we're saying, you know, we get to see that. So there is a real spiritual um, benefit to saying I get to go before God and pray for people who might not have individuals praying for them, who might not have individuals who actually want to seek their good and to do justice in that way. And yeah. so um, it, it, I think it strengthens us spiritually. Her struggling is actually a really good thing because it shows us, God, yeah. we're weak and needy and we yeah. need you even to be our joy, uh, whether or not you are in York or right. you're down the street in Druid. So I, I yeah. do think uh, for us to see things like Christ sees is what you yeah. were saying. For us to see people as souls is for us to even stare at our own constant need before God and to be able to say, man, who will pray yeah. on behalf of these neighbors? That's you know, right. Who will be able to handle situation um, and counter conflict in a Christ-like way, you know, uh, through the Holy Spirit prompting those things. I don't know. To I say, the way you're framing that, I think, is so good, to say, who is going to do this? You know, uh, I think of the dude in our church who attends regularly. He's out there using, he uses heroin, and um, you saw him on your block one time while he was coming to buy. Yeah. He turned around, didn't buy, and at least for that night, gave it up. I don't know if you remember that. He came yep. to church, our church service that night. He had given it up. I think he used the next day. Yeah. But who is going to these guys? You know, who is coming to the neighborhoods? Um, and uh, who is living here intentionally? Uh, those are good questions to ask. And I, I think it's a good way to frame it that way because you can be a Christian living in York, Pennsylvania. That's right. You know, are you a, are, are you a higher class saint because right. you're living in West Baltimore. Right. Well, no, you you could be a Christian anywhere. And we need Christians in the suburbs. Sure. We need Christians in the country. We need Christians in York. It's not to say that you've got to live right by your church, right with your church people, or in inner city neighborhood. We're just simply saying, we're, we're asking this question, who is going to live there? And And so that's what's driving us. That's what's driving our decisions. Is is we just want to take this take on this opportunity, and I think we do it because we want to. We 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 enjoy it. Yeah, sure. Good. I, you know, um, I think something that has been uh, encouraging is to know that okay, like I'm not in this alone. Like I know Stephanie is doing the work where she is. I know Joe, you're doing work where you are. I know the Wallers. Jamie, like I can go on and on just to know that, man, like I, I don't feel like I have to like do this by myself. So you guys have talked about even intentionally living with your own homes and families, but we also at our church promote living, maybe even several families in one home. That's happening. But we'll talk about that maybe at another time. But no, uh, the That's right. You actually have... The Hagoods living households in your house right now. In one house. So, um, Stephanie, you lived with us. I did. I had That's the right. privilege of living with the Kerr's family for almost three years, actually. Almost three. Three years. Almost, yeah. Wow. wow. Yeah. Uh, and how was that for you? Yeah, so. I don't know if we ever debriefed. We have never debriefed. I feel like you oh, just wow. kind of, like, left one day. I did My girls were day. crying. And they were sad. I had to explain it to them. I don't think they have spoke to me like normal sense. Do we need to debrief? We could debrief. <laughs> was it all We're right? We're like family here. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, 
Well, just culturally, so different. Um, because, but, we're, because we're white? Uh, maybe, yeah. I'd say white. Maybe that's, that's one reason. I was going to say Midwest, but you can take it there. I feel like Ohio's Midwest. My wife is not Midwest. That's true. She's that's pretty right. much Bahamian. But, I mean, from, like, Palm Beach, but we so know. Do you think I... This is another conversation, but do you think I'm culturally be- Ohio? You're, you're a mixture of a lot of things. Like, I don't really think of myself as culturally no. Ohio, so even I though I grew up in Ohio. The the house is framed by a culture. I can't just say Midwest. Right. But so, I'll, I'll, we'll, so stepping aside from our uh, yeah. locale and ethnicity, we've got a culture in the house. We've got a culture, yeah. And how is that, how, how is that culture felt to you? I'm just curious. Yeah, so one, I think anyone who chooses to move in with a family, it's just a new situation to begin with, yeah. um, you know, but one of the most things, uh, most important things that drew me to thinking, I think I'm gonna live with this family, besides having nowhere to live in Baltimore, <laughs> and Joe so kindly just opening up his home, as he's done to like the 18 other people that have lived in Joel's house, um, and you think I'm exaggerating, I think we could probably count, and it would be near 18, mm-hmm. uh, but you said, you're welcome to live with us, just know, we're sinners, and we're gonna sin. Mm. And so if you're expecting perfect people, this might not be the place for you. But I think that was the first time anybody had had a candid conversation about like, oh, we're just going to we're just going to encounter working through things together. And so I don't think people usually say that as their intro, come live with me. You know, for a while, there's a honeymoon stage where they're like, we're just going to step tiptoe. So moving into your house was very authentically as it was very ordinary Nothing um, too grandiose. You were who you said you were. Um, you guys took me in as family. But I do think I experienced some of the hardest bouts of loneliness while living there. And I don't think it was necessarily just one um, thing. I just moved into a city from the suburbs. There are a lot of comforts. Transitional sort of Yeah, issues. transitional depression type stuff. And I think some of it, too, was um, particularly me asking God, you know, to teach me more about himself. And he would, he would teach me that no matter what degree of struggling, of not feeling completely comfortable, that he would be my friend, that he was my friend. And so I think that that's really cute to read, but to really experience that in moments where you feel um, extremely lonely or alone or just not comfortable. And I don't, I don't think it's necessarily just because of your family. I think it's just when you move from one place to another place with people who don't know your history, with people who don't know who you are, the one thing that um, aligns you is that you're Christian. So I do think that part carried me through everything. So, so whereas it's a good place to live. You might think a cure to loneliness would be to move in with a family. It, it could be a contributor to loneliness. Yeah, and, some, and not and that that ways. was the only reason you felt lonely, of but course, yeah. but you move in and w- we've got things going on. You know, uh, we're dealing with the kids throughout the day. Um, we've got our culture, as you say. You know, yeah. the culture within the home, and you clearly, in a in a sense, you 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 belong there, but you don't. don't in a belong. sense, yeah. There's a sense in which you're you're not fitting in, right. Um, in the way that everybody else fits in around the table. Yeah, and so this is, when I guess, and again I say the beauties of it, is because that's kind of like how I feel at church in a way. Like if you're ever fully comfortable at church outside of culture and customs, um, I know some people would argue this, but I'm just saying it reminds me of the fact that God has a beautiful mosaic of people. And so living with another family reminded me, wow, there's so many depths 
to God's people and his family. Mm. And so I think as long as I, as much as I would say, oh, I struggle with loneliness, I actually feel like I um, learned more about humility because, you know, I remember going through, my grandpa had passed um, and I, you know, got to interact with your kids. And for some, you know, I fell into depression after his passing, just, just so sad and grieved that someone so special to me had had gone and your kids were still kids that were hungry that wanted to eat donuts that wanted to take walks you know and so in some ways it was really cool to practice humility and saying you you guys can let let, let me serve you in providing um you know comfort let me watch you let me you know experience these things with you um, and you guys in some way are reminding me that it's not all about myself while still letting me grieve. So you can't get that. I don't think you can grieve well without being with the family of God. And so I think in living with your family, I came to found out, came to find that Christ would be actually all I need, but that he has actually provided his people and in his way. It would not be the way that I would want to feel comfortable. So I think it gave me comfort actually in being like, oh, this is okay. This yeah. is normal. And I think you living with us for three years gave my kids an auntie. Ah. Well, there. I, I remember uh, truly when you when you moved out. That's when I really realized the value of having you in our home. To come out out of a situation like that with humility, with a deeper love. Like I, I think a love that combats. I keep bringing up individualism. It combats that. It's so much deeper that you're like, oh, I want this more than just waving at you on Sunday morning and not knowing how to love and bear with you and forgive and not devour you. So I think that's, it's, it's been, it's been really sweet and helpful for me as a single because it actually helped me with, I mean, so many things, I, sexual purity. It helped me think about um, not idolizing marriage. It helped me serve. It helped me work through conflict. Sure. So I'll say it again and again, like live with the family. And now that I'm married, you know, a prayer of my husband and I are also thinking, okay, so when are we going <laughs> to open up, you know, the fact that we want to have a room be open? Um, do you have an extra room in your house? We don't. So oh. that's why we so can't have that conversation. But we do want to own a yeah. house. That'll be for, yeah. that'll be for another time. So Will the house be in the neighborhood? Planning. In the neighborhood, 21217, on church planning tips. Oh, man. I'm right. sweating. You can't see me. But no, no, no. We're want, we want to stay yeah. on no, the no block. No pressure. Yeah, real, no. Real quick, no, um, I know this episode is not about the Curse household, but man, and I don't know if I never told you this, but this is you know, time. since, right, <laughs> um, like since coming to the Garden Church, just like watching your family, like how you guys serve, like the, the neighborhood, like your door is literally always open. Your dining room table is always open. And we like try to, like we picked up on that as a family and we try to model that same thing. Um, so like when we decided to, to move on Droid Hill, we wanted a house that, you know, that was gonna be bigger so we could like, you know, serve, so. I appreciate that, man. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, it's, it's, it is something that we intentionally have tried to do over the years, and uh, I, I feel like it's good for our kids too. You know, for for them to be on mission with us, uh, ministry for our, for our family is not just dad's thing or dad and mom's sure. thing, but it's our, it's our thing. And even as we bring people into the home, they begin to see some of that played out. Um, we over the years we've had uh, 
church members live with us. We've had non-Christians live with us. We've had people living with us who are using drugs upstairs. We've had, had to have awkward conversations and kick them out. And, and um, you know, it's just been, a, been, a, been an up and down road with all of that. But along the way, though, you begin to realize, like, this is actually good for our kids. you got to be careful. Um, my, I, I always let my wife make the final decision on anybody that lives with us. Um, I would like to say I never put any pressure on her. If she was sitting here, just to be honest, she probably would disagree. She'd probably say that I pressure her at times. You you have a way, man, of like really persuading people. Which is a good segue (laughs) for our our next episode, Church Planning Tips. We're going to talk about what does it look like to live in your city? We'll talk through some fears. We'll talk through some tips. And uh, Joel may persuade you to move to to the 21217. It's persuasion, not manipulation, right? No, I mean, yeah. He compels us. Yeah. I mean, I'm seriously Jesus asking Christ. that question. Oh. Persuasion? No, no, I never feel manipulated. Man. No. All right, good. Persuasion. I'm just watching healthy this. persuasion. You have a way with words, man. He should be a preacher or something, yeah? He should. He would make a good preacher. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for listening. Tune in next time <laughs> to the Stoop Sessions. Oh, Lord. I'm so happy you're ready. We're really calling it that, huh? I like it's that. the Stoop Sessions. That's the Stoop Sessions. It's like we're sitting on our stoop. We need to do more of that, man. Sit on our stoops, yeah. Yeah. Well, we... Fall's the season. Look, we used to before the pandemic. I know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I almost forgot. Just like Joel's that. Right. Joel's you like, forget, you forget why we're stoop. actually not doing anything. Yeah. We've been you know on why I stoop. forgot? Because we don't have masks on right now. All right, so next session will be on tips. Yeah, church planning. What that looks like. And that's not just for the pastor. Just want to so say if, that. if you want to if you want to take on some of this philosophy of living in the neighborhood with church members near your church, we want to talk about some tips, some things to think through, some challenges. Thanks for listening to the Stoop Sessions. Be sure to catch us next time. As One Hope exists to build healthy churches in the inner city, check us out and connect at www.onehope.gives.